All right. How are y'all doing? Do you hear what I'm hearing? Yep. Okay. Okay. Is there anything I can do? Just deal with it. All right. Um, I am, this is actually, as Mark said, my fourth year uh, to do this retreat. And I was thrilled when John called me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, we'd love for you to come back. Because this is one of the most favorite things that I do uh, during the year. Uh, I think this is a great retreat, and it is a privilege for me to come and to be able to spend time with you and to open up God's Word uh, with you. And so, it's good to be back. Uh, This, while Brian is trying to work out our issues, this year's retreat, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be talking about this theme uh, Spiritual growth, Christian growth. Um, I've titled it this way, What You Need to Know to Grow. That's what we're going to be talking about uh, this weekend. And you might ask, why this topic? Here's why I chose this topic. I've been in campus ministry, this is starting my seventh year, and I absolutely love what I do. And out of hundreds, meeting with hundreds of students, hundreds of conversations, with college students over the last seven years, I have found that all of those conversations can really be summarized. Obviously, I'm generalizing. But they can be summarized uh, in three ways. A misunderstanding, if you will, uh, of three questions. Almost all of my conversations kind of go back in issues and struggles that students uh, struggle with. Go back to three things. A misunderstanding of justification. That's a big fancy theological word that means how you are made right with God. So how you are made right with God. Justification, we believe, how you're made right with God is that you are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. When you put your faith in Jesus, he gets. it's a heck of a deal. He gets all of your sin. You're forgiven. But not only that, you get Jesus' perfect obedience and righteousness. He gives it to you to wear. So that when God sees you, if you're a Christian, He sees you uh, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. You are made righteous with God, made right with God, through faith in Jesus alone. So that's the first thing. I always kind of seem to Uh, to talk about, a misunderstanding of that, if you will. The second thing is, who do I trust? Do you trust what your professor is saying, the white-haired guy with the PhD that's trying to tell you that the Bible is not true? Or what the culture is telling you is truth? Or do you trust what we believe is our only authority in faith and life, which is God's Word? That's the second thing. And the third thing that I get in hundreds of conversations is how do I grow as a Christian? That's sanctification. That's a fancy word, but it simply means how you grow in the Christian life. Um, And so that is what we're going to talk about. I decided to pick one of those and to deal with it this weekend. And so I picked the question of how you grow in the Christian life. 
So that's what we're going to be talking about, what you need to know to grow. Here's the thing about spiritual growth, though. You probably know this in your own life, but it's not easy. Spiritual growth is often very painful and comes through a lot of difficulty. Let me illustrate with a story. Several years ago, I heard or actually read an article. Uh, It was a newspaper article. It was a column on gardening by a woman by the name of uh, Jane Riggenbach. And in this article, she's talking about how you transport plants, potted plants from a potted, um, you know, plastic pot into the actual earth or to the actual soil of the ground. How do you go about transferring those? She said that she would begin by doing so very carefully as not to disturb the plant. And so she would take it and she would be very gentle with these potted plants and take, them, take the plants out, put them and plant them into the ground. And she found out something very quickly that those plants didn't grow very well. Why didn't they grow very well? Because the roots were all bundled up together. And so you know what she started doing? She started taking those plastic pots beating them, squeezing them, hitting them against the table. And then she would take the plant out of the pot, and next she would take her fingers up into the soil of the plant, and she would pull down as hard as she could, ripping the roots. You know what she says? That is the very best thing that can be done for those plants. Because otherwise, the roots would not spread out and the plants would not grow. Friends, that is exactly what God wants to do in your life this weekend. Some of you are very comfortable with Jesus. Some of you are very complacent with your Christianity. And God, through His Word and through His Spirit this weekend, wants to reach up into the soil of your heart and He wants to pull down. And yes, some of the roots are going to rip. Yes, it's going to hurt. It might even be painful. But it is the very best thing that can be done in your life because it leads to growth. It leads to health, and it leads to fruitfulness. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. You know, before we can begin to talk about growth in the Christian life, we've got to first start with our heart. And the reason why we have to start with our heart, because according to the Bible, lasting change, last growth in our life, true growth, only comes if our heart's been changed by Jesus. In other words, you can't grow as a Christian unless you are a Christian. And so we're going to begin this whole weekend by looking at Mark chapter 4. And I've asked 
someone to read Mark chapter 4. Margaret Ann is going to read, so follow along with her as she reads God's Word to us tonight. Okay, this is Mark 4, 1 through 20. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in, in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things and parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil, and produced again, I mean, produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path, where the word is sown, when they hear. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then with tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Thank you. It's God's word. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Amen. The parable that was just read asks this question, answers this question. How the gospel, how Christianity makes its way into your soul, how it makes its way into your heart, and simply stated, it comes, look at verse 2, it comes by listening. Notice it's the first words on Jesus' mouth. He says, listen. And I don't know about you, but this is one of the things that frustrates me oftentimes about Christianity. It maybe it frustrates you because I want Jesus to come by force. I want Him to come and simply fix my life. And for, for it to all be over, and I want quick fixes in whatever it is that I'm dealing with. And Jesus says, no. I want you to listen. After telling us to listen, look at verse 2. He proceeds to tell them this parable that was just read. I won't 
go over it again because we just talked about it. But let me make a few comments. The seed represents the Word of God that is being sown, like even being sown here tonight, being sown in conversations with your friends, in Sunday school, at your church. Anywhere the Word is being preached, the seed is equivalent to the Word of God. The soil is our hearts, the condition of our hearts. And in verse 9 it says, He who has ears, let him hear. You know, Sinclair Ferguson He's a commentator, uh, he's a pastor in South Carolina, it says a parable, this is very important, as we read a parable, it is meant to be a mirror in which we are to hold up and supposed to see our own hearts. And there is no more vivid parable, more in your face, than the parable of the sower, the one we're going to look at here tonight. And here's why it's in your face. And here's why it's strong. But here's why it is so important that we hear this and really listen to it. Because here's what it teaches us. That the gospel comes with a variety of responses. It teaches us that there are actually different kinds of hearing. Listen to me. This parable, friends, teaches us that the kingdom of God, that the gospel, that Christianity can be missed. Did you hear that? It can be missed. It is subtle. And you have to think about it. So much so, that there are people in this room, most likely tonight, that think they're Christians, but who really aren't. You see, Jesus is saying, have you really heard me? Have you really listened to me? And he says the best way to know if we've really heard him is to test the soil of our hearts. I'm a new homeowner. I owned a home in Birmingham, sold it, bought a home in Oxford, Mississippi. And I'm a big yard guy, okay? And so one of the first things I did when we moved into our new home is I had a lawn service come out and they did some soil testing. They looked and examined our yard to determine what the health and how fertile our lawn was and what, how, what condition the soil was in. That's what we're going to do tonight to determine the condition of our hearts, we're going to do some soil testing, if you will, on our hearts. If you're following along, or if you're an outline or note taker, the first point is we need to test the soil for a hard heart. Look at verse 15. Some of the people, this is the seed was being sown along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as People hear it, Satan comes and he takes away the the word that is sown in them. Here's the picture. In the first century, they traveled on these dirt roads and dirt paths and it would become very packed down after lots of travel and lots of feet crossing over it. So much so that when seed was thrown out or cast out, it would sim- the soil was so hard and so packed down, it would simply bounce off of the soil. Birds would come by, pick it up, and 
take it away before it could get underneath the surface and germinate. A seed cannot germinate and grow unless it goes underneath. Here's what this means. The parable is saying that it is possible to come in regular contact with the Bible, with the preaching of the Word, and it never make its way into your heart. It never make its way into your soul. These are the folks to whom Christianity is strictly an intellectual game. You know, it's the head knowledge. It's all about the head knowledge in the intellectual game. The Word and the Gospel never gets below the surface. The Gospel, in other words, has never really thrilled this person's soul. Here's a question. The first test. Ask yourself this question. Have you ever come under the personal power of the truth? Have you ever come under the personal power of the Word or the Gospel? Has when the gospel is preached, whether in Sunday school or at church or in a setting like this, has it ever dawned on you and you for the first time begin to see things about yourself that you've never seen? Yes, you always knew it, but this time it had your name on it. And suddenly you know and realize that this is talking about me. Has the gospel... And Jesus ever really amazed you? Ever really thrilled you? Has the truth and the love of Jesus for you ever really had you by the throat? Has it ever kept you up at night? If not, is it possible that maybe you have been listening to the Word? Some of you maybe all of your life. With a hard heart. It's been only an intellectual game. But if you look at it, Jesus is saying that here's what's happening. <clears throat> that Satan is taking and stealing the seed. And so the emphasis here is on busyness and on distraction. You see, our hearts become hardened when we are so busy and so distracted that we have no time to ever think about spiritual things that we have no time to ever contemplate what Jesus has done, who He is, and what He's done for us. We simply become distracted even when we start going down that road. Some of that might be happening this weekend. You come distracted and you move on to other things. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letters, says it this way. He has this scene where Uncle Screwtape is distracting one of his subjects. There is this man who is in a British museum and he's sitting on a bench and he suddenly starts to think about God and Jesus and spiritual things and then Uncle Screwtape, who would represent Satan, comes and simply reminds the man that he's hungry and that he needs to eat. And then suddenly... The man is out into the street looking for something to eat, thinking that that sort of thing couldn't possibly be true anyway. You know, I wonder how many of you will have the exact same thing happen tonight when you walk out these doors. Are you listening? Have you really heard Jesus 
Or has Satan come and stolen the seed? Test the soil for a hard heart. Secondly, test the soil for a shallow heart. Look at verses 16 and 17. This is the rocky soil. The seed is thrown. And uh, the rocky soil, there are really no roots. And so the scorching sun comes. Persecution. Suffering comes. And immediately, this person turns their back on Jesus. This is the person, this represents an emotional response to the gospel. It represents an external response to the gospel. This person receives the word, they get excited about it, they get passionate about Jesus, but it's on shallow ground, there's no roots. And so the first sign of suffering, the scorching sun, comes and the person drops Jesus like a stock that's not performing for him. You see, for this person, they never really understood the gospel. It was simply an emotional response. They want the kingdom of God on their terms. You see, they thought they were entering Jesus' kingdom. But what it really was is they were simply trying to get Jesus to enter their kingdom. This is the person that just wants to be blessed. I just want all the good parts of the Christian life. I want the comfort and the blessing and the joy and the happiness. Did you know it is entirely possible for you to be living life and engaged in all sorts of great and religious things, good things, but never really have repented of your idolatry. Did you hear that? It's possible that you're living your life involved in good things but never have repented of your idolatry. Here's what I mean. Let me illustrate. Imagine a girl who maybe is an 8th grader. Uh, She didn't engage in the party scene. She goes off to high school. Suddenly she engages the party scene. Why? Because she wants friends more than anything else in the world. One of her friends becomes a Christian and begins to share Christ with her and invite her to church and she tells her how Jesus has cleaned up her life. She drops the party crew and suddenly starts to run with the Christian crew at her church and she starts to go to all the Bible studies, even the, uh, the you know, clubs before school. She even goes on the youth retreat and the youth trip over the summer. Do you see how it is entirely possible that Christianity for her was simply a new means to her real end, which is friends? You see, before, her friends wanted her to party and be wild, and so she did. Now her friends want her to do the religious thing and the Christian thing, and so she did. What is her real God? What is her idol? Her friends. Her real God is still her friends. She is simply using God. She accepted Jesus. Why? Because she wanted more friends. Not because she saw herself as a sinner desperately in need of God's grace. 
Jesus is saying here for the shallow soil that there's no better way to uncover this person than personal suffering. Jesus is saying, listen to me. Think this through now before the storms come in your life. Are you in this for me, Jesus says, or are you in this for you? Friends, sooner or later, your heart will be outed by reality. Did you hear that? Sooner or later, your heart will be outed by reality. I see it every single year on the college campus when students come as, as uh, their freshman year. They've lived their whole life and they've done all the right things and then they come to college and suddenly they're a new person, a different person, and they just totally go off the deep end. Why? Because their heart for the first time has been revealed for its true condition. Your heart, friends, will be revealed. You will be outed by reality. And the question is, when your heart is revealed, will it be revealed for a heart that is on fertile, good soil? Or will it be revealed as a heart that is on shallow soil? Test the soil of your heart for a hard heart, for a shallow heart. And thirdly and finally, a divided heart. Look at verses 18 and 19. This is the soil uh, that springs up and it actually has some roots, but it's being choked out by what? What's it say? By the cares of the world. To me, this is the scary part, okay? Okay, think about this with me. The first two soils, no-brainer, it's easy to see they're not Christians, okay? It's pretty clear in the passage. But this soil, it's very hard to tell. How so? Well, because this soil, they have some roots. And they actually stay in. But the thorns come and keep them from bearing fruit. You see, the second soil is completely covered up by the things of the world. These people are committed to Jesus, but Jesus shares control with other things. There's division. For these folks in this soil, there's often no assurance in their life that they're really Christians. And so they live their whole life oftentimes in a bundle of anxiety, wondering if they really are okay with Jesus. And I want to tell you, this is a very dangerous place to be. Because if you're in this soil, the divided heart, things have come in and crept in and you don't even know it. We're going to talk about that tomorrow night. And they are stealing your affections away from Jesus. Some of you are here tonight. You're committed to Jesus. You say, Jesus, I'm with you, but there are other things that have your affections of your heart. You're still willing to release everything to Him. You're you're white-knuckling your life. You haven't held it with an open hand before Him. For example, some of you are committed, but you're still using your sexuality in a way that you know is inappropriate 
in, in a way that Jesus disagrees with. Some of you are committed, but you're still consumed with your image. You're still consumed with looking a certain way and running with the, the right crowd. And it comes in many forms from maintaining a GPA to doing anything and everything to run with the cool crowd and be accepted and be popular. And you see, the problem with these things is it's all about you. And the truth be told, you're absolutely miserable. You know why? Just look at the passage. You're being choked. You're being trapped. Because you know too much, don't you? The first two soils, they're not miserable, I promise. They don't care. You're the only one that is miserable. Why? Because you don't see any fruit in your life. Because the thorns have crept up on you and they are choking you out with the cares of the world. Some of you are in the third soil, probably a lot of you. So what do you need to do? Well, you need to do some weeding. Who likes to weed? Anybody like to pull weeds in your yard? No way. I hate that. I'll, dr I'll do anything I can not to do that. Why? Because it's hard work. Jesus wants us to do some weeding. And here's what this might mean. It might mean that this weekend you need to actually get time alone and to examine your heart and say, what soil am I? Am I really listening? It might mean that you need to take one of the leaders aside and talk to them about what you find. It might mean that you need to pull a friend aside, someone who will be honest with you. You know, no one's objective about themselves, right? Everybody knows that? Ask a friend what you're really like and really listen to them. It might mean that you have to say no to something. The Christian life often comes with a no, meaning we have to give something up. It might mean that you need to turn from something or repent over your divided heart. Jesus says no one can serve two masters. They're either going to love the one and they'll hate the other. And then finally, if you look at verse 20, you've got the seed that was sown on fertile soil. These are the folks who hear the word, accept it, and they're growing in the Christian life and producing fruit on a regular basis. There's a young man who needed a job and, and so he's looking through the classifieds and he sees uh, an ad uh, that a shipping company is actually hiring a radio ship operator. They wanted someone who knew Morse code and other shipping languages and technologies. And so this man went to interview for this position. He walks into a room, a waiting room, and he said that there is this loud static coming over the loudspeakers. And he said people are talking loudly in order 
to talk over uh, the static that was coming through the speakers in the room. And so the man goes and he fills out the application and the other paperwork that was necessary to interview. And then he goes and he sits in a chair and he doesn't engage in conversation. He simply listens as he sits quietly. And then suddenly the man gets up and he walks through a door labeled private. A few minutes later, the man walks out and he's smiling from ear to ear. And then the secretary comes out behind him and says, All right, you can all go home now. We've just hired this man for the position. Somebody in the room raises their hand and says, What do you mean you hired this man for the position? We've been waiting here all day. Don't you think we at least deserve an interview? What is so special about this guy? And the secretary looked at those in the room and said, we have been putting out Morse code through the speakers all afternoon. And it said this, if you understand Morse code, simply walk through the door that is labeled private and the job is yours. This man was the only one that was listening. Are you listening tonight? Have you really heard Jesus? You see, having a heart that has been changed is the foundation for spiritual growth. Some of you are ticked off tonight. Some of you might even be mad about what this passage reveals about your heart. Some of you are thinking, what do I need to do? Well, the passage tells us what we need to do. We need to listen. You know, maybe it's time that we start listening and stop pretending that our spiritual life is suddenly going to take care of itself. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we need you this weekend. Nothing of lasting value or of eternal consequences is going to happen unless you come. And so we invite you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to come and be with us and to change our hearts so that we might grow. Father, if there's anyone here this morning or uh, this evening uh, that doesn't know you, that knows quickly that their heart's not on fertile soil, I pray that they would talk to someone, that you'd give them courage. I pray that you'd give them faith, give them eyes to see, make their heart alive. Bring them to faith. Father, if there are people here that... uh, Know their hearts divided. Would you come and bring about change in our hearts? Give us a love for you that would outweigh everything else in the world. Father, we long to grow, and we need your help to do it. And so would you come this weekend and help us? In Jesus' name, amen.
got stuck. Hey, buddy. Good to see you, Stevie. Good to see you. Hey, man. Do you have a game today? At 4.30? What, are you playing? Are you a sophomore? Yeah, I need to roll that. Okay. I know how to do it. I was going to say, it seemed early to me, but I guess if it's JV, it makes sense. Hey, hey man. See y'all. That was great. That was, that was really good. <laughs> Thank you. They're really challenging. Well, if you don't, I want to say this. 